flaccid. That's <laughs> well. Yeah, you're, you're. I'm glad you're doing flaccid today. <laughs> yeah, same. Um. Oh, mild sexual jokes this early in the morning. How how uncouth. You say this early in the morning. It's nearly eleven. It's essentially the afternoon. Yeah, and it's seven for those that are listening. So. Yeah, it's the evening. It's the evening. They're they're you know where they are, Dan. They're in cool happening jazz clubs uh, with an old fashioned, and they're sat in a leather armchair. Yeah. And they're being all cool, listening to our podcast. They're not listening to the music in the jazz club because why would you go to a music club to listen to music? Exactly. <laughs> why would you do that? Normie. Um, they're listening yeah. to our podcast. Um, a big 1950s old-fashioned, full of bloody maraschino cherries. Um, and yeah, that's that's what they're doing. And, th- and then we're saying, oh, it's early to be making mildly sexual jokes. Um, <laughs> and they're going, wow, well, I'm a, I'm a hip, cool cat in this jazz club. So yep. I'm actually, it's late evening for me. You can it's make too as many late. mildly sexual jokes as you like. It's too, it's late. too late. It's gone. Yeah, the only, time, the only time of mildly sexual jokes is between 2 and 3 p.m., as we all know, of course. Yep. During Christmas dinner, yep. Yes, um, during Christmas dinner. Doesn't your nan love it when you make a joke <laughs> about dicks? That's, that's great. Oh, of, of course, of course, that's what everyone wants um, while they're eating their turkey or their ham or their macaroni, in Lewis's case. Um, yeah, macaroni is the ideal. We eat so much fucking pasta in this house, it's kind of insane. I'm so jealous that that's what you have for Christmas dinner. Like, holy shit. <laughs> but why well, can't I have uh, that? Uh, next time it happens, right, what we'll do next Christmas, I will make Christmas dinner uh-huh. and then I'll scoop a little bit into an envelope for you <laughs> and I'll lick the envelope, seal it and then post you an envelope of macaroni cheese. Does that sound good? No, not not really. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, do it anyway because, you know, um, who, who does... Clarity. Yeah. Yeah, I'll film it and, and we can... Do it for the bit, yeah. Yeah, for the bit. We're doing it for the bit. Um... But uh, let's let's move on. Uh, <laughs> let's move on from this. Have you got some bullshit that's not to do with posting food? I think so. Um, oh, go on, hit me with it. Right. It's the wheel turn. Ah, yeah. Uh, the dark side of our house plant obsession. Ooh, this sounds engaging. Tell me about it. What's going on? Uh. The hor the horticultural equivalent of fast fashion. There's an environment wrecking problem with house plants you may not know about. By Matthew Appleby, third of May, twenty twenty one, five a.m. Facebook, Twitter, WhatsApp, mail, seven right. comments. For many millennial plant parents, house plants <laughs> are pets to be loved and cherished. Pets? What the fuck? Uh, but when showing off their green lifestyle on Instagram. To date, there are 11.5 million house indoor plants. Hashtag Ooh. posts. Few house, <laughs> house plant alcoholics. Right. Wait, what? <laughs> house plant alcoholics. Oh, aholics. <laughs> Realise there's an elephant in the room. Uh, leave the door open. Is uh, the vast what? majority of house plants are grown in peat. A nutritious soil-like substance formed okay. from decayed organic organic matter over time. To continue reading, already a subscriber, log in. Well, Enjoy well, well, well. it. <laughs> <laughs> you can't just pick a shitty headline and then read me a third of an article. 
Christ. I literally, right, just, okay. I literally just saw it on Twitter and I was like, I don't have anything. I'll just fucking read this. Um, <laughs> by the Telegraph. I, okay. Um, um, do you have a lot of houseplants? Is that why it took your took you took you by fancy? No, I just saw it. Um, I see. Well, we have houseplants. We have a lot of them. We have um, cacti and succulents and all that sort of stuff. Mm. Well, there you go. That's all I have. It's Star Wars Day. That's something. <laughs> <laughs> yep, it is Star Wars Day. Um, how do we feel on Star Wars? Are you going to watch all nine films today? Ah, no. <laughs> no, and, and neither would any sane person, I don't think. No, um, but I will give a shout out to the Dark Wars podcast. Yes, who, who go no and listen to Dark Wars Reveling in Star Wars Day. Um, mm. Maybe we should find out Doctor Who Day. Is there a Doctor Who Day? There, there's I know there's got a, to be a Doctor Who Day. I know there's a Dalek Day that I'm that I've planned for. So, oh bloody hell, look at you, yeah. uh, Doctor Who Day, November twenty third. Uh, the day the sci-fi series came hurtling into our lives back in 1963. Oh. Dalek Day is November sometime as well. What's Dalek Day in celebration of? Uh, the, the first appearance of the Daleks, I think. Cool. The 21st of December. Yeah. Oh, I thought cool. it was November. But anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, li- I like sort of... Like, like you, you get national holidays now for like, everything. Well, not holidays, hmm. just days. For stuff like um I don't know. Like just, just weird stuff that you would never think deserved a day. But I mm. like sort of sci fi days. Um, yeah, I don't know what you mean. Because that's Cause what they're I usually enjoy. kind of weird and confusing. <laughs> yeah. I also like um what was I gonna say? I know what you mean about very specific days. It's kind of handy for me as a food writer because then a lot of people come to me at certain times and are like, Can you write an article about this obscure food item, please? Yes, I can. I would love to write an article about. Um, the last one I had was uh, National Deep Dish, N- National Chicago Deep Dish Pizza Day. Wow, um, which is nice, I suppose. It, it, I'm sure you're aware of this type of pizza in the UK. Goodfellas Pizza, I think, is is the sort of the the go to that people might think of. The one you buy frozen and then microwave it. Yeah, um, yeah, it's like a deeply loved thing, uh, fresh out of Chicago. Um, so yeah, now I know a bit about that, which is. Nice, I suppose. Well, uh, but that for that article, they um they wanted to in- include a little about the author at the bottom. Um, so I wrote a little blurb about myself, and they commissioned an artist and sent him a picture of me, and they made a little cartoon Lewis Brindley that is now on their website. How great is that? That is pretty cool. Have you posted? Really, you posted that before, didn't you? I did. Yeah, it was on my Instagram for a bit. It's dead cute. It's just uh, a little picture of me. You should put. You should post it so that everyone can see it. Look forever. I I, sh- I shall it forever. <coughs> I tell you what's ha- uh, there's a, a terrible thing has happened in our lives. Go on. Um, a fantastic takeaway has opened up near us. Oh, um, how dreadful! Called, I know it's horrific. They're called shallops, uh-huh. um, and they do stupendous dessert-oriented things, um, like um, they do incredible milkshakes. Um, but the thing that impresses me is a lot of the place, uh, a lot of, sorry, a lot of the time, sort of milkshake places or dessert places that you see a lot of nowadays, it's just people sort of exploiting the inherently good taste of Nutella, which ah. is, you know, fair enough if that's what you want to do. But I am very impressed by the fact that Shalops does not do this. Instead, oh, really? they have sort of blended together different chocolate bars in interesting ways to make drinks that are just nice. Like, um... My favourite one is their Jammy Dodger one. They do like a Jammy Dodger milkshake. Oh, that's it's interesting. It's really... And it, 
tastes like jammy dodgers i think there are actually jammy dodgers in it i don't know but it's great um the one that chloe really likes is flake dime and oreo i think it is flake dime and oreo um because it always says fdo on the side so i'm like oh okay yeah yeah um and it's just really good because obviously dime bars have got that sort of burned caramel taste to them and oreos are like so are quite bitter really yeah and then the flakes are so sort of sweet and they've got that cadbury taste it doesn't taste like chocolate it tastes like cadbury um so it's just i'm really impressed by the fact that this this place um sells these milkshakes etc which are just interesting combinations of nice chocolate bars wait so what's the terrible thing then um we've had like a hundred in the last week (laughs) um, and and i'm about to die from drinking too many milkshakes oh that's quite good um yeah um, there's no really any other way to go lewis if you, you know. No, the best way to go is to die in a hot tub, drinking really good milkshakes. Exactly. So all exactly. that's left is for me to buy a hot tub. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Step one is complete of my master plan. Now the hot tub. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that sounds um, like a plot line in this film that we're about to talk about. Um, it does sound a plot line in this film about we're, to- we're about to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, um, I do like milkshakes. I could go a milkshake fucking, right now. Yeah. You know what was the greatest milkshakes? Um, but then they closed the location near me. GBK did really good milkshakes. Um, do you have a GBK in Glasgow? Uh, I don't. If we do, I don't know about it. Mm, well, <clears throat> if you are lucky enough to have a gourmet burger kitchen near you, go and get one of their milkshakes. In fact, some of their burgers. It's expensive food, but it's really good. Um, their milkshakes are really good because they're so thick it's sort of almost difficult to drink them. Um, they yeah. do a lime milkshake, which is really, really good. It's very sweet because it's full of chockers with ice cream. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was also lime-flavoured, so it's really sharp and acidic, but also sweet and good. It's just really good. Oh, I'm salivating now, Lewis. Jesus Christ. Um, but yeah, no, I could. I, I like I like milkshakes. Um, I really like... Uh, the milkshakes you get in TGI Fridays. The I have never been to a TGI Fridays in oh. my life. Oh, you're missing out there. Um, I well, remember I, I so was much. once offered to go. I think we were, it was on, on 4 o'clock club one day. You were like, oh, well, we might go to TGI's later. Do you want to come? And I was like, no, not really. Um, and I have never been, ever. Well, we'll need to go the next time I see you. Yeah. I mean, I don't think... Is there one in Stoke? I don't think there's a TGI's in Stoke. There must be. I, I would not be surprised. Yeah, there is. Hey, hey! Well, hey, it's... Um, I, I am terrible with locations of things. It's next to a Burger King. Oh. <laughs> That's helpful to anyone. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, <laughs> the landmark Burger King, of course. There yeah. it is. It's like... Um, yeah. There's this city in Cyprus, and then they have one, one set of traffic lights. It's like that. It's like, go to the traffic lights. Turn really? Left, turn right, turn right. Go to the go to the Burger King in Stoke on Trent and do all these different turns and stuff. <laughs> no, but yeah, uh, they they do um chocolate, uh, a chocolate milkshake with the Oreos on top, uh, mm. with whipped cream in it. Oh, it's fucking dynamite! Um, that does sound stupendous. Um, right, yeah. this is the. I, I know we talk about food a great deal on this podcast. Oh, my cat's just walked in. Hi, Monica. Um, hello. She. Um, hi. She got to, don't tell her, but she's got to go to the vet on on um, what is it Thursday? You just um, told. <laughs> like, 
You've just shouted it out, and she can. Well, yeah, I know. It's 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 called comedic irony. Um, oh, I thought I, you were um... serious. I thought she like was <laughs> like there was like a word that triggered her. Like, like you know, like uh, bath triggers my dog. She looks at me as if I've like punched her in the face. Like, mm. Or like when you say to some dogs, "Do you wanna?" and they just look at you like, "Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Yes, yeah. I do. I don't know what it is, but yes, I do. I want to go." Do you want a treat? And she's like, Wah, eh, like that, you know. <laughs> turns her head. Um, but anyway, yeah, the the weird food thing I was going to talk about. I tried KFC's um, vegan burger. It's sort of crap. I don't think that's the problem of the vegan burger. I think that's the problem of KFC. Um, you know. I have never. It was tried okay. It. it was okay. Yeah, because it's corn, um, like the the meat substitute brand. Yeah. Um, and it's it's all right. It's not that exciting. It's not that terrible. It's a corn burger with the KFC herbs and spices, I guess. Which, right? I'm going to come out and say it. The herbs and spices were dull. Oh. I I uh, right. Here's a hot hot take. Oh, here we That's go. The hot take alarm. Southern American cooking is some of the best cooking in the world, and I think KFC does it a disservice by yes. um, selling things that aren't actually that good. Hot no, take over. I agree. Um, there's like in our in our house one of our favorite dishes. It's um, whenever Chloe has a tough day at work, I always make it for dinner because it's her favorite. Um, is we call it cheesy spaghetti. Uh, usually it does not have spaghetti in it because um, the shop doesn't sell spaghetti, so I it's usually tagliatelle. So you know, but anyway, uh, yeah, cheesy yeah. spaghetti, and it's um, it's essentially a macaroni cheese sauce with like a really sharp cheddar with the trifecta of Southern American ingredients for a white sauce, Worcester sauce. Tabasco and nutmeg. Oh, sounds like a weird combination, but it works fucking brilliantly because it's salty and it's spicy and it's sort of earthy and herby. Yeah, it's really good. And I think KFC are doing a disservice to Southern American cooking by selling chicken that's not that great. Yeah, the only way I'd like, if I'm really hungry and I see a KFC, I'll, I'll get a KFC. But like. Mm. I'm always inevitably disappointed by the by the meal that I get. Yeah, yeah. I should say, in I the interest I'm... of fairness, that there are many other uh, fast food joints around the the, the country. Yeah. So yeah, we're not yeah. sponsored by KFC. No. <laughs> Imagine we were. <laughs> yeah, KFC shite. <laughs> oh no, I've just had an email. We've lost the ten million pound sponsorship <laughs> with KFC. Fuck. Quick, say their gravy's really good. Yeah, uh, isn't their gravy meant to be really nice though? The gravy is meant to be like one of the greatest things ever made by by humans. Yes, yeah, um, South Park did it, an so episode on comment. it. Like, did they? Yeah, look, Cartman, um, uh, KFC had like, been completely run out of town, and like they had like <laughs> they had like uh, rehab centers for people who were addicted to KFC, oh and and Cartman was given like a tub of gravy every day. Mm. It's like what what. Where's the chicken? It's like, do you not want the gravy? No, I'll take the gravy, aye. Like, but it was, it was a food. And then the KFC became like a sort of illegal substance that was traded in the black market and right. all that. <laughs> but Cartman didn't want to eat the chicken. He just ate the mm. skins oh. and just left the chicken on its on mm. its own, which was, it's a whole thing. It's quite funny. I would I would watch oh, it. Yum. Um, um, yes, that, that does sound good. Um, 
this is a lesser known fact. I think KFC have tried to sort of hush it away over the years, but it's, I mean, who gives a shit nowadays? Um, yeah. Colonel Sanders, after he was sort of, um, I think he had a small chain of restaurants himself, which was then bought out by a larger company, mm-hmm. which allowed him to make it sort of worldwide, sort of thing. Um, shortly after he was bought out, I think the sort of head honcho shareholder type guys said, um, okay, the food's great, but we can make it cheaper and only make minor adjustments. And so they made the minor adjustments, and famously, Colonel Sanders hated it. Um, changes to his herbs and spices blend, and also to um, the gravy was the thing that really he really hated. He said it was a thin, yeah. like, wallpaper paste. He absolutely loathed yeah. the gravy, which now is such a loved thing by, by, by people. I mean, it's, it is really interesting how, like, how big companies will continue to sort of um, put on the, the, the charade of small town sort of business <laughs> yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. It's like, uh, even like in TV shows like uh, Los Poyos Hermanos, it's like, mm. it, it tells the story of two people who just don't fucking exist. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh yes, the Chicken Brothers. It's like, no, it's just Gus. Um, yeah, it's just Gus. It. Mm. It ser- I think it serves these companies well to have like a sort of mythos yeah, definitely. Them. Like the Nando's thing um, with the chicken in the pie. Yeah. Like, I don't even... That could just be bollocks, for all we know. Yeah, who knows? Um, but anyway. Tell um, you what, Nando's think food is okay. It's it's not... Here's another hot take. Hot take alert. Me- medium okay. Medi- medium spice or, or hot spice or, or extra hot or uh, nuclear... Or the other ridiculous one that's just the same, but um, they've put another label on it. Normally, I go for mango and lime on my burger, but then I get whatever the hottest sauce is of the bottles. And then I right. put the bottle, the, the sauce on the plate, and then I dunk. Because I like to control the spice in each bite, rather than... Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I like um, I like either getting the the mango and lime or the lemon and herb, and I'll, mm. get, I'll get medium bottle and put it all over my chips exciting That's that is I'll a get. nightmare i um <gasps> i i know i know some people do this thing where they put sauce on their chips i think it's perhaps the most insane thing that i've ever heard why that people actually do that because then how are you gonna eat because the entire point of chips is that you eat them with your hands so how are you going to eat the chip if it's just completely fucking covered in no, ketchup you or do the, sauce or whatever you do the zigzag lewis yeah, but then some it's an uneven distribution of sauce. Listen, I'm very good at it. We okay. need to redistribute the sauce. <laughs> I'm very I'm very good at it. There's always Seize an, the means of peri production. There's always an end, Lewis, that I can pick at, okay? <laughs> mm. No, I I I'm sure there is. It's it just really it just in I find it insane. Well when, luckily like, um, Well luckily you it's not your fucking like, chips. Um, <laughs> no, it's not my chips. And you can do what you like. But I, I'm allowed to say you are. that is completely insane. You are. Because um, what you, what gets me is when you have, when you're out, like a, not sat in a restaurant, but like say you, um, you're you like on a day out or something, you're eating chips at the beach. It's I, I see people out there eating chips at the beach with ketchup on the chips, but they have a little fork. It's like, okay, but then that's just another piece of crap that you're generating, which you're going to throw into the sea or on the floor or whatever. So yeah, maybe you'll use a little wooden fork, but then they you get splinters in your tongue. It's just insanity to me that wow. people put 
ketchup or any kind of sauce directly on the, the top of the chips. It goes on the side and then you dunk and eat. You oh, feel? No. <laughs> it must it must it must go all over the chips. Mm. The chips what must is be it? drenched. I have I have a question about sauce. Uh-huh. What is in terms of dipping slash spreading over the chips like some kind of a maniac? Uh, what is your favourite sauce? If we're thinking sweet chili, barbecue, um, I do honey mustard. It depends. Um, okay, it depends on how I'm feeling. It's either ketchup or it's the medium sauce from Nando's or a sort of mm. alternative. Mm-hmm. That's um, a good choice. With me, it's normally some kind of sweet chili sauce. I love a good sweet chili sauce. Mm, I'm not really. I don't. I don't really, really like sweet, spicy things. Mm. Um, I like sort of savory, spicy things. Like, I, like if I'm mm. gonna get a curry or something like that, I'll get a madras. Like, yeah, they're quite dry and yeah, yeah. That's what I'm I think of the right one. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's one of the hottest ones, I think. Um, yeah, it's, yeah. Madras madras sauce is a fairly hot curry sauce, red in colour, heavy use of chilli powder. Yoghurt is often used to take away some or all of the heat. Yeah, I don't really use yoghurt. I've Mm. got a pint of milk. (laughs) In a glass bottle (laughs) that the milkman has brought you just now. Yep, I drench the milk all over the chips. Um. Mm. Oh my god. (laughs) I just think I just agreed with that, and then you I thought like, what you said mm, that's insanity. Yes, yes of course. <laughs> yes, of course. Milk on chips—that makes perfect sense. Makes sense. Ooh, makes sense. Milky, milky chips, milky potatoes. Well, actually, people eat potato dauphinoise, don't they? So, yeah, but I, mean, not I suppose a... that's that's cream and butter and cheese. That's yeah, but not, not milk. A fucking glass of milk or your chips. You know what I mean, fuck's sake, man. Um, a glass of like chocolate milk just poured over your chips. Oh. Uh, Lewis, stop. <laughs> well, people dunk the McDonald's fries into the McDonald's shakes. Yeah, and they're fucking animals. <laughs> <laughs> I remember um, asking because I I I learned about this in a math uh, in a math class in a in a math, math class, class? In, uh, at college, and um, uh, the person said, "Oh yeah, I've tried it," and I was like, "Is it good?" And he went. Not really. It's it's not as nice as having both of those things separately, but it's okay. Yeah. It's, like, it's, well, it's just kind of weird. Yeah, it's not as nice as having a meal um, that you can enjoy. Yeah. <laughs> this is sort of how I feel about um, beans on toast. I feel like it's a fundamentally flawed meal because <gasps> the beans are... The bean, the, the bean juice renders the toast too soggy to be toast. Do you know what I mean? Mm, I don't know. I like beans on toast. Mm, I'm not a fan, but Chloe, when she makes beans on toast, puts cheese in the beans. So cheesy oh. beans on toast, obviously, is already legendary. But like, I think mixing the cheese in with the beans, it thickens the sauce to such a degree that makes you don't just get, get sloppy, yeah. wet toast. So like, it's it's moist, but it's not wet. Yeah. So I think that's perhaps a way forward. Moist. Through this ongoing beans on toast crisis. Of course, of course. Well, we need to bring that up at the next um, uh, National Congress of, of Beans yeah. on Toast. Um, the shareholder meeting of Beans <laughs> on Toast um, shareholders. Yeah, yep, definitely. It's Heinz and Hovis come together um, to talk about Beans on Toast. <laughs> I've got Beans on Toast for lunch now. I'm, I'm feeling it. You said you weren't a fan. No, but I'm I'm a fan of cheesy beans. Oh, on toast. right, See? okay. You're See? gonna put some cheese in it, right? Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna put some cheese in it, Dan. Well, speaking of cheese, uh, <laughs> d- d- um, 
Go on, make a leap. Make a leap between beans on toast and death becomes her. Uh, um, it's not even Bruce beans Willis. on toast, it's cheese. Um, um, there's some cheesy lines of dialogue. Whoa! <laughs> there, hey. we, there we go. Maybe, is there one in, in something about something about Mamma Mia? Was there cheese in Mamma Mia? There's, there's meals in Mamma Mia. There's got to be some kind of yeah, there'll cheese be, there'll going be on. there's cheese in there somewhere. But anyway, yeah. are you sated, bullshit-wise? I am sated. I am full... And the only thing on my mind is beans on toast and Bruce Willis with right. a moustache. Well, we'll get we'll get through it quickly, and we'll get you your beans on toast. <laughs> Excellent. Um, so today we are talking about Death Becomes Her, which Indeed. is a film. Uh, it's written by. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a film, I it's suppose. A, it's all right. It's a motion picture. Um, and it was written by Martin Donovan and David. C- Kep, Quop, Kep. I did not open the IMDb page for this. Now I'm going to. And I'm not going to cut this bit out so everybody can listen to to this. Um, IMDb, Death Becomes I'm going to go with Kep. Hang on. What are we talking about? Who wrote it? Yeah. Um, The writer, if I can piss and find it. Where where is it? It's, it's oh, Martin, go. Martin Donovan and yeah, I'd say David Kep, K O E P P. I'd say Kep. Yeah, I'd say Kep. Okay, and um, it was directed by Robert Zemeckis, and it is starring Golden Hawn, uh, Meryl Streep, Bruce Willis, and Isabella Rossellini. So it is. There you go. Um, do you have an opening statement? I do. Uh, perhaps one of the most captivating films I have ever seen. Wow. It drew me in at the start and kept me guessing all the way through. I really, really enjoyed this film. Um, it's Plus, it's kind of cheesy, tongue-in-cheek. Stupid things like when um, Meryl Streep is at the top of the stairs and she's, like, falling for about three minutes <laughs> while Bruce Willis decides whether or not he's going to push her. Yeah. I, I, I like that. It's really silly, but it's all... And, like, um, how Isabella Rossellini is constantly wearing these ridiculous outfits. <laughs> because... Yeah. We know why. It's a, it's a cultural joke. The joke is that in um, old school movies like this, but serious, the villain would always be wearing some kind of insane outfit. Yeah. And so you're watching Isabella Rossellini wear these ridiculous things, and you're thinking, oh yeah, that's a cultural joke. It's a smartly done joke, and I like it. I really like this movie. It's great. I agree. Um, the story of three horrible people. Uh, one, a sleazy coward that cheats on their partner. One who is a narcissistic image obsessive, and one who takes having a grudge to a whole new level. Very entertaining and funny. <laughs> mm. I yeah, I agree with you. It's um, I do like that. It it kind of it kind of answers a big question about like living a long time and and things like that. But it also kind of deliberately doesn't in it in it. Like that bit they say about um. Oh, truly, uh, Bruce Willis, whose name I've forgotten, Melvin, is that it? Is it Ernest or something? Ernest, that's it, yeah. Ernest will truly live forever in all of our hearts and minds because he was such a good bloke. I don't think that's what the vicar says, but he says something like that, basically. Yeah. He did a lot of charity work, and he did this, and he had his family, and he'll live forever because of this. And um, I think that's sort of... They they ask an interesting question by saying, well, will he, though? Because yeah. these women are actually going to live forever. Will the memory of, of the Doctor, will it outlive Meryl Streep and, and, and... Oh, crikey, I've forgotten her name. Coldy Horn. But I suppose no one really knows who they are. 
Like yeah, that's true. Like they've been so obsessed with like trying to stay alive that their sort of reputation has been sullied because they're just so busy painting themselves and like you know uh, try to keep their appearance up, which is kind of so they'll live forever, but maybe as as what though is like a, a clump of cells eventually. Yeah, like they'll just continue to decay, and like, like even even like, uh, um, is it Le- Liesel? So I think it might be Liesel. Yeah, Liesel, who's like the sort of head of this society. She's gonna decay. Like they're all gonna just yeah. decay and have to keep up appearances. If living forever meant that like everything would just heal. And, like, um, I wouldn't ever get like, old and I wouldn't break or anything like that, then, yeah, I would be all right with that. But I'd do that. Mm. But, like, sort of hurting yourself by accident and then having to, like, mm. paint yourself and repair yourself. Like, yeah, yeah. no, fuck that. That's shite. Yeah. I think uh, w- w- with anything about living forever, it's got to be a, yes, I will live forever as long as I can kill myself if I want. I think yeah, that's, exactly. That's always got to be a sort of a contingency because I think it's what's that Peter Capaldi line from Doctor Who? Um, living forever isn't living forever. It's watching everybody you love die again and again and again. Yeah, exactly. I think that's kind of that. That's precisely what I would want to avoid. Yeah. I'd want to be able to say, okay, I've lived my life with um, yeah. my my wife and family and everybody. Now I can kind of just kill myself and feel happy about it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Um. I didn't see the way, like, I was, because obviously I hadn't seen this film, so, like, mm. I was like, okay, so they've set it up, um, so it's going to be about how Meryl Streep uh, breaks these two apart, and then it's cut to the wedding, and <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm uh, like, okay. the first time as well. And mm. then you jump to Helen, oh my god, she's completely different, uh, and she's clearly in a bad place. Okay, so it's going to be about her, sort of, getting revenge in the film and then boom Meryl Streep discovers an uh, an aging potion Uh, oh fuck okay what's gonna happen now oh she's dead no wait she isn't um I thought it's just you were right at the beginning it keeps you guessing and you have no fucking clue what's gonna come next I I really I really enjoy I was on the edge of my seat when I watched it um yes completely yeah um Helen's reaction to losing her husband is how I react when I'm spurned in any small way. What's, what's, <laughs> what, I just, what just, was it? Just get cats and just like, oh. sit and watch <laughs> the person die on television. <laughs> <laughs> Why is Meryl Streep so good at playing arseholes? I, I think it's because Meryl Streep is an incredibly skilled actor. I thought you were going to say, um... I think it's because Meryl Streep is an arsehole. <laughs> No, no, no. Uh, Christ, no, please, please, Meryl, don't don't come for me. Um, no, I think Meryl Streep is a very skilled actor. I think, have you ever seen her in something and thought, no, she wasn't the right choice for that part? No, never. I haven't. So, you proved me wrong right there. Wrong? Uh, right, right, right. Uh, yeah. uh, we've proved you something. Yeah. Uh, all three of them are horrible people. Yeah, sort of. Like, so what what I don't get is why why does Ernest get to let have this big redemption arc? Like um, suddenly it would have been more powerful, I think, if Helen was the one to get the redemption arc. 
like and she realizes like she's offered immortality and it's just um what do you call it uh madeline and ernest that are fighting with each other forever because mm. they sort of severely wronged her um whereas they just sort of they just sort of torpedoed uh helen's character a little bit you know yeah i suppose maybe it's um sort of a frog and a scorpion type situation it, it, maybe this maybe the movie's trying to make the point the only way to live is to adapt and to change mm. adapt or die sort of thing and, and i suppose that's the he will live forever because he adapted and changed and became a better person or do you want to live forever suspended at this specific point of your life do you know what i mean yeah no i get what you mean it's just like at the beginning it's like I suppose that keeps to the whole sort of keeping you guessing sort of thing, but they set it up like, okay, so she's going to maybe go a bit too far and then she's going to realise, oh shit, this is bad. I suppose mm. I, what I was really hoping for, that all three of them had a a bad ending. That's what I was really hoping. Like, it's just the three of them are just really horrible people who just don't mm. get mm. any of the outcomes. that, Or they get the outcome that they want, but not in the way that they imagined it. Yeah, I know what you mean. Because it reminded me a bit of, like, um, what's it called? Uh, Mephistopheles, is that what it is? Uh, Faustus. Yeah, F- Faustus, yeah. Um, but be careful what you wish for, sort of genie sort of thing. I like, I like, like that. Yeah, could like the monkey's good... paw. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, that could have been a lot better. Uh, is it? It's still a good film. I'm not saying it's... No, I, I, I completely agree with you. I think... Um... I don't know. There was a lot of interesting, lots of interesting stuff going on. I think it, you could rewatch it a dozen times and you'd still find new things. Lots of little things like, oh, he was a practicing doctor, but then he suddenly became a mortician. Yeah. <laughs> and it's lots of little interesting, weird things, which I don't know. I, I quite like it. Like you say, it's captivating. It keeps you guessing. It's a good movie. Yeah. All the sort of subtle hints about death, like the the nicknames like uh, Mad and Hell. Um. Yeah, I didn't even think of that. Yeah, like, uh, what do you call it? Um, just that. J- there's like a couple of lines. It's like, oh, uh, oh, just just stuff that 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 hinted to what was gonna happen. Like uh, Meryl Streep waving at, at um, Ernest through the window, and he w- raises his hand, and there's like blood on it, and just waves back at her stuff like that i thought that was really like blood in his hand sort of thing i thought that was quite yeah yeah cool um just like we're all mere mortals here and stuff like that just stuff like that um how did he get in that guy he just he just tele- teleported in to the consultation room the the one that works yeah, for leasily just sort of appears <laughs> sort of appears maybe it's maybe the door is very well oiled the hinges are yeah maybe expressly so that like people can sneak in and out for this exact purpose maybe there's a secret door behind the you know the wall or something um yeah maybe maybe and i like how they hinted that they're gonna have to look after themselves really well because his eye kept twitching if you remember, his eyes sort of kept blinking really hard. Yes, yes, it did. Which I was like, what the fuck is that? What's going on there? You know, so it's it's all sort of... Maybe it's a sort of a, a, a nod to that. You know, when you tell a joke and it's like, not tell a joke, you're trying to deceive somebody and you sort of wink at somebody else. 
It's like, oh no, yeah, that did happen, didn't it? And then you wink at somebody else and they go, oh yeah, yeah it did, it did, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's that. Or you'll live forever, wink. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I like that. It's a, it's a bit of a tenuous link, but I, I suppose maybe it kind of sort of works. Yeah. Um, I like how they ask the questions that no one else asks in these films. Like, right. like when someone's getting made a deal about immortality and it's all very mm. mysterious and Meryl Streep's just like, how much is it? Like that, just completely cutting through the <laughs> bullshit. Like, how much, am I, yeah, how much yeah. is this going to cost me? I, she drinks it and then it's like, okay, now I have to warn you. What? What the f- <laughs> <laughs> Now? <laughs> That's so good. Um, mm, mm. Oh, it's just small little things that I noticed like that. It's just like, it sort of was like a jigsaw puzzle adding up to the bigger sort of thing, and I, I loved I loved how the two of them were just like horrible sort of wretched creatures by the end of it. Yeah, and they're just still yeah. bickering because <laughs> mm-hmm. they're sort of it's this eternal hell that they're going to be living in. It it's it doesn't even bear thinking about because no. you'd you'd become a recluse. If you sort of realised, well, I can't risk ever getting injured because I can't die, and it doesn't hurt, so I'll just be a disembodied head forever. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You'd you'd you just would wouldn't go out. You'd stay in the house. You'd become a recluse. It'd be horrid. What's your read on the title then? Death become. Ooh. Um. Is it maybe because death is like what death can't die? So maybe they can they become i don't i don't know maybe i think in the literal sense death becomes her it sort of means like um like he'd say oh red becomes her the dress becomes her it's it's like the dress makes her look a lot better so death becomes her literally i suppose would mean oh they look a lot better when they're dead so maybe that's sort of a hint you're supposed to be like oh no the the potion killed them Um, yeah the potion killed them and now they're just dead forever yeah that might be it um, almost like that. The, the it, it almost sounds like it's like what they were talking about, like natural law and stuff like that. Like it's breaking yeah. natural law. Like death is becoming her or someone else, or like a hu- to the human standard almost. Hmm. Like hmm. whereas death is meant to be sort of beyond that, and death is just fixed and can't ever be. But where it's like. It's a fixed point in time. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe it's um, when when Meryl Streep goes to visit Isabella Rossellini and um, she's like, oh, I want to become like you. Maybe Because death is kind of the process to becoming like her. So is that kind of the message? Yeah. It, it, again, it's a lovely title. Keeps you guessing. Um, it does. I like, it's so impressive, this movie. It's such a good one. I, w- I will say that I noticed that on the security guards, when, when Meryl Street first arrived there, I noticed a radio mic on the guy's back. Oh. As he was turning. So, come on now. Come on, Robert. Uh, <laughs> fuck's sake. Uh, it's just little things. It's like, ultimately, if if that is the state of like living forever, is, who the fuck would want that? Like, these people are just so horrible that they actually think that rather rather than being remembered as a a good person, they would rather 
toil and sort of limp through life as as this corpse mm. in mm. order to clear it's like really quite horrible and tragic no you're right it is tragic it's i suppose it's like a shakespearean style tragedy yeah it, it, it has a sad ending it has a tragic ending and it, but it's it's also a it's like a dark comedy at the same time so it's like it can still yeah. it can still not take itself so seriously and mm. and is able to um you know oh, do you remember where we're parked and all like, just stuff like that um <laughs> yeah um i like the fact that lee's uh lee's changed as like uh ernest was escaping she was like, get him, get him. And then like, the next time we see her, she's in a completely different outfit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do like... I, I suppose they're kind of dedicated to the aesthetic yeah. in the strangest way possible. Definitely. It is weird that they don't... Because they seem to have an inexhaustible supply of this drink. It's weird that they don't want to make a buck off it. Do you know what I mean? Or they don't want to share it with the world? Or Well, they got, they got uh, Meryl Streep to pay quite a lot of money. Mm. Check okay, you know. Like it, it. She nearly left. It was that much. Like, and she. We know that she's mm. very wealthy. So, like, I mean, it must have been a great deal of money. That's true. Yeah. Um. I wonder. I wonder if. I wonder if anybody else paid. Did they all have to pay? Did Elvis pay? <laughs> Elvis must have paid. And I think it, Helen said she paid. She was like, it was all I had. Oh it, God! Yeah. Yeah. So maybe it's different. Well, she yeah, she said that she's like it's different for everyone. Which is, oh, okay. Yeah. So, I don't so know. Meryl Streep was allowed to pay, and other people might not have been. And, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. Ernest was I just also, given it, wasn't he? I think he was. Yeah. I think they kind of they realised that it would be handy to have him around, sort of thing. Yeah. Um. So maybe it was just oh, we'll do this for the good of this live forever community type thing. Maybe she would have said afterwards, like, okay, now that you've done that, your payment is making sure that all the clients look good. Yeah, I suppose so, yeah. Um, the one other thing I did quite like was um, the sequence where um, Bruce Willis is in the completely white suit, and it's like, oh yeah, we're going to talk about how we're going to um, hide Meryl Streep's murder. Yeah. Um, we're gonna, I, I liked that sequence, because again, it's a cultural joke. We know why he's in a white suit. We know why it's shot the way it is. We know because that's the style of these types of movies, of movies set in Hollywood very conveniently yep. for the filmmakers. And I think it's... I like that it, it's sort of self-referential. It's almost fourth wall breaking. I really like it. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, it's almost self-aware in the sort of like plastic surgery culture of like Hollywood mm. and how mm. like, like even like today... Huge sort of TV shows are are, are like made on like, on altering oneself for like, yeah for completely beauty. It's like it's really in that sense. It's like it has a lot to say about that. Um, mm. and nothing can last forever. And trying to yeah prolong that is inevitably just going to make you miserable. You know. Yeah, yeah. No, I know exactly what you mean. It's um. For some reason that conjured up diamonds last diamonds are forever in my mind which is perhaps the most successful slogan of all time um the irony of course being diamonds 
don't last forever. Yeah. They are strong as gemstones go, um, but they're also, because of the specific structure of them, they can shatter um, if you hit them in the right place with the right amount of force and all that stuff. And it's still a monumental amount of force, but yeah. of course, the whole, it, it's diamonds are forever is that, oh, well, don't you want your love to be forever? Yeah. Don't you want to love your wife? Then you'd better buy this thing. <laughs> it's kind of yeah, crazy. Exactly. But then I suppose the the ladies shatter, don't they? Uh, Meryl Streep and Goldie Horn, they shatter at the end. Yeah, true. Maybe that's a diamonds are forever type situation where it's like, oh well, you do live forever, but you can shatter very very easily. Yeah, and like go- one of those shatterproof rulers from school. Shatterproof, <laughs> these shatterproof. Bob. Bob, get these shatterproof, yeah. shatterproof. Um, also, going back to the title, like death mm-hmm. lasts forever. That's the only thing that's yeah. certain. And so yep. when it slip, it becomes her. It becomes these two people that last forever now. Let- mm, maybe it's um, this is a a bit more not a hot take as such, a, a, a bit of a theoretical take. Maybe it's um implying that there's some kind of demon or spirit or whatever, or say uh, they gave the potion to I don't know some old person from the Middle Ages and they've been around for a thousand years. That's got to fuck you up, right? That's, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're losing your mind pretty quick. Absolutely. Well, I say pretty quick. In the cosmic sense, you're losing your mind pretty quick. In the human being sense, you're losing your mind after about 200 years. Yeah. Um, but I think maybe that's what it's talking about. It's almost as though they're possessed by this spirit of like um, of, of, of running away from death and, and chasing after these things they never quite had in life. And I don't know. It's weird. But um, Very weird. It's It's really funny. It's a really funny film. It's uh, a really funny film. It, you're right. It can it can make you co- it can make you sort of contemplate the you know the the uh, physicalities of living that long and like what yeah. you would need to do in order to sustain yourself. And at the same time, it's a film that you can just watch over and over again without and actually yeah. yeah without actually thinking too much about it. Um, mm. uh, I love how Bruce Willis is thinking about saving Meryl Streep and she just goes, hurry up, you wimp. And he just goes, right, fuck you. And just... I know. It's... it's, Yeah. And then that, and the, the, the irony is that's how Bruce Willis falls out of the castle. Which is... Oh, yeah. I love, it. I love this movie. It's such a good movie. Um, The, the death scene where like, our head's on back. Oh, my God. That was... Horrendous. Yeah, she, she and gets the doctor up and walks around as though she's a, dom- a zombie. The doctor. The doctor that oh, dies. God, doctor. Mm. He literally just fucking collapses. It's, it's so. Oh my god. There's just so many things that you remember. It's like holy shit. He just collapsed because he was in shock. <laughs> yeah. And she's just like, oh, do I look good? I mean, oh my god. No, but it's a really good film. Um. Oh, totally. Completely a good, a, a really good movie. It's. Yeah, I think I might be out of notes. I think I'm also out of notes, which is a shame because it, we're only forty-seven minutes into the podcast. I know. Is, we always have this struggle with like really, really good movies, which is that we struggle to talk at great length about them because we go, "Yeah, that's really good." Then name a few good things, and that's it. Yeah, bad films you can complain about at great length. Oh, exactly. Like um, we could talk about Justice League or whatever for hours because it's so confusing and weird. Yeah, but like. Oh no, this is just a good movie. I don't have much more to say after that. <laughs> I mean, I never got, I never got round to watching the four-hour edition. Oh Jesus Christ! No, it's neither like, did I. I, uh... I, I just, I'm struggling to believe 
that a film that was bad in the beginning, somehow tacking on three other hours is going to save it from itself. I'm just, I'm not entirely convinced by that hypothesis. Um, no, neither am I. It's, um, yeah, <laughs> there's nothing much more I can say. I don't think adding three more hours of film is going to help. No. Um, apparently it's really good. Apparently, people are now campaigning for the release of a Zack Snyder cut, um, which is completely in black and white. And apparently, the oh. Joker scenes will be slightly different. It's um, it's just come on, yeah. It's there's this old quote, isn't there? Um, a, a work of art is never finished, merely walked away from. You go, yeah, yeah. But the walking away is what makes it the piece of art. Yeah, true. If I think if you are just constantly working on something forever, then it becomes a part of your everyday life and don't get me wrong that can have an artistry to it but it's not at that point i don't think it's art do you know what i mean it's just a thing yeah i mean see in fairness if like if movie studios weren't like so um uh interfering then this wouldn't mm. be a problem i mean if directors mm. were just allowed to let's see their vision through like it would just be so much easier rather than you know oh no we don't like this and then josh whedon coming in and fucking Oof, yeah giving his josh whedon notorious piece of shit yeah, yeah just giving his fucking funny dialogue over it like just ugh. just if you're gonna hire a director let the director do what they're gonna do don't fucking mm. okay let's change that let's just change that let's just it's like it happened to orson wells like when he mm, when he yeah. released um uh um citizen kane let that, he was granted complete control over that, and it's yeah. considered to be one of the best films ever ever made. And then he made another yeah, yeah. film where the studio, somehow not realising, oh, this is really successful, let's just let him do what he's got to do, they completely interfered mm. and changed yeah, the film yeah. entirely, and it was shite. Yeah, I think, yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> I, I really do know what you mean. It thing is, it's a hard thing to say because the reason you would have it sponsored by a studio was so that the studio would be paying for it. So it's kind of hard to say to them, okay, we know you're paying for it, but uh, can you just can we just change all these different things? And it's like, yeah, okay, yeah. But on the same level, because of artistic integrity, I think it's, I think finding a studio that is willing to work with you and say, okay, because if you just said, okay, uh, Fox, twenty first century Fox studio gave me um 30 million pounds to make this movie and then they did not talk to me once ever after that they said okay we want nothing more to do with you give us a ring when it's done and we'll sort out the the distribution yeah do you know what i mean that's that's one kind of uh studio sponsored making of a movie but it's also not really the kind i think would ever ever come to fruition i think you're always gonna have the disney execs or the or the whoever execs up, up upstairs going well i'm not sure if i like this bit at 43 minutes and 12 seconds um can we hold on this shot a bit longer then they have to organize months long reshoots of different scenes do you know what i mean it's yep. it's a kind of a tragedy in a weird way it really is like with suicide squad they got the guy who made the trailer to like, edit the film like yeah what yeah <laughs> Which is why the film plays like a really long trailer. Yeah, it's really a, weird. A big music video. Um, yeah, yeah. There's um. I remember watching this review where this guy was like, "It's like there's no scenes. There's no scenes in this film. Yeah, because it's it. They're all cut up and and spliced together. It's really weird. Exactly. Um, and it's not that like I think in practice a narrative structure 
centered around that meeting in the restaurant with Viola Davis and the two sort of um oh they they were CIA higher ups or oh, FBI some, higher ups or whatever they were some fucking um, <laughs> some made up department um, <laughs> yeah uh, that in theory centering a story around that could work wonders but like um there's lots of stories where that works really well the, the one that springs to mind really in- instantly is Rocket Man. Yeah. That's centered around um, Elton John going to therapy, being in a group therapy session. And, you know, it's the line is blurred on whether the therapy session is real or, or a dream or, or just his imagination or what it is. But my point is, you can structure a film around one core scene. It doesn't have to be a mishmash of confusing nonsense. Do you know what I mean? Definitely. It's like it's... Yeah, too much. I think there was like, again too many, too many cooks at the pot on on Suicide Squad specifically, and other films that have just, you know, um, you know what we want is complete directorial control, like The Room. That was a complete classic, <laughs> <laughs> cinematic classic. I want to remake The Room, please. Oh yeah, just <laughs> no, <laughs> please. Please don't ever touch that film ever again. Like Jesus Christ, what a great film though! Uh, what I just oh yeah, a masterclass in filmmaking. Oh hi Mark. Oh hi Mark. <laughs> he's so, he's he's distraught thing. about being like accused of like hitting his girlfriend, and he's like, oh no, what is? Oh hi Mark, how you doing? What's what's happening? <laughs> It's bullshit. It's bullshit. I did oh, not a, hit what a, her. What a guy. Oh. I did not. I did. So now we're just quoting a movie. Yeah, we're, we're just trying to pad the time out, folks. Maybe you've maybe you've noticed <laughs> that yet. Uh, <laughs> but um, do you have a closing statement? Um, I do have a closing statement. Um, a weird classic of cinema, which, like with Hot Fuzz and a lot of the other Cornetto trilogy movies, um, sort of picks a really strong core theme. And then is has fun with it. There's a lot of really clever jokes, a lot of really stupid jokes, but at the core of it, it's a really intelligent movie, and I really, really like it. I agree. Um, I'm unsure why Ernest got the big redemption arc in it. It would have been better if Helen was the one to have the dignified death. And why are all the jobs in these films either a doctor or a writer? Like there are more professions. Yeah, that's a good point. Everybody is either a doctor or a writer. Yeah. But there you go. Mm. Well, yeah, no, good, good, good statement, bro. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think that is the sort of the end of the podcast. I, I literally have no other notes, no other closing statement number two or anything. Um, so, yeah, we've got some, some cheeky capitalist shilling to do. We do, we do. Um, Lovely. The podcast has uh, link trees. Uh, Lewis's link tree is linktr.ee slash Lewis underscore Brindley. Mine is slash O'Hiram. And the podcast is shouting into the void all together, no spaces, no caps, just all together. Um, we also have a PayPal donate button, so anything you can spare, anything at all, would be greatly appreciated. Um, we also have a Patreon, and we take the opportunity every week to thank our wonderful, wonderful patrons. Uh, Chloe. Thank you. Darius. Thank you. Sophie. Thank you. Peter. Thank you. Aditya. Thank you. Richard. Thank you. Natalie. Thank you. And Dougie. Thank you. One and all, you keep the lights on at Void Towers and you allow us to keep making this show that we love to make. So thank you very much for your continued uh, help and support. It means the world. 
Absolutely. Uh, last but not least, we are partnered with a fantastic company called Number 12 Crochet Avenue, and I've missed out merch, uh, but <laughs> we have merch on Teespring and hey, Redbubble. Hey, buy some fucking whatever. Uh, and last but not least, <laughs> we are partnered with... Buy, buy fun- some fucking whatever. <laughs> uh, partnered with a fantastic company called... Number 12, Crochet Avenue. And Lewis is going to say some wonderful things about them, all of which are true. Indeed I am. Um, Number 12, Crochet Avenue is a wonderful company run by my wonderful wife, in which she crochets and talks all about it. Um, You can go and check her out at Number 12, Crochet Avenue on Instagram. Um, It's a really good crochet feed. It's a really good Instagram addition to your Instagram feed because the pictures and images and just the overall vibe is um, chef's kiss uh, beautiful. So go and take a look. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Well, um, that was Death Becomes Her. It was? Yes. What are we doing next week, Dan? Okay, here we go. Yep. The School of Rock. Ooh, Ooh. very nice. Yes. It's um one of those fantastic movies, which we've done quite a few of recently, where... At the start, you're like, oh, it's just a dumb comedy movie. And then the yeah. final two thirds, you're like, this is the greatest cinematic masterpiece <laughs> of all time. Exactly. So um, we're looking forward to that. So uh, tune Indeed in next we week. Oh. And we will hear you, see you, smell you, um, uh, make you paint yourself for, <laughs> yep. for eternity. <laughs> yep. Next time. Yep. Thank you very much for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye.